Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Open Championship. Joining me to break it all down, Sia Najat is here. Sia, last crack at major championship glory. Good to see you. Good to see you. And, you know, I hear all the scuttlebutt, if you will, about, hey, it's the last major, the, the golf season's winding down. Like, it's totally not winding down in my eyes. We got the FedEx Cup playoffs coming up. But enough about that. I, I am excited about the Open Championship. And, Rick, given that this is a DFS show, I feel like I should lead with pretty cool that we have a 5K range, right? Yeah, so we will get to that. But DraftKings has done something very different with the pricing that we haven't seen before. Scotty Scheffler, 12.5. A bunch of golfers below six thousand dollars. I I think it's smart. I think it's interesting. I think it's going to make kind of roster construction decisions a little bit more unique this week. So yeah, it, it's it's a little bit different. I think there's going to be so many lineups that dip down to that five k range, and, and I'm not offering that as a criticism by any means. There's some guys down there that are viable. I I, I question how many times people will go like below let's say 6500 like are there going to be a lot of lineups that have a guy that's 6100 and a guy that's 5800 for example along with like scotty and rory or whoever you like at the top i just think all of that adds an interesting layer because before we we if we didn't have a 5k range we wouldn't have been able to even consider two of the top five or six guys in our lineup yeah, and there's, uh, you know, they stretched it. I think there's like six or seven guys over $10,000. already mentioned Scotty Scheffler. So it will create a couple of interesting builds about how far down the board you're willing to go. Before we get to that, let me remind everyone that the uh, fan form for the one and done is in the link. Go get your vote in. A lot of money on the line this week, and the fans are making their way up the leaderboard. That will be announced on Tuesday's Mega Preview Pod, which will be Tuesday, 5 p.m. Eastern time. We'll go live, and that'll be in your feeds right after. Uh, See, let's talk about the golf course real quick here. Royal, Liverpool, and Troy, if you want to share my screen, that'd be great. My website, rickrungood.com. We're back to Royal Liverpool for the first time since 2014. It looks a bit different, certainly, than it did nine years ago when Rory McIlroy captured uh, his only open championship. We're starting to see uh, the footage come out. We're starting to see practice rounds come out. We're starting to get a better feel for how this golf course is actually going to play Thursday through Sunday. What are your early assessments on the course and who's going to be able to tackle it? Yeah, well, like most majors, I'm, I'm certainly looking at the complete game. While I typically bake around the green into tee to green, I, I might at, like actually take a peek at, at, a, at around the green uh, this week. I think there's an interesting 
sort of narrative that's formed and it's probably appropriate, but in terms of just being really accurate off the team, making sure you're not going out of bounds or going out of bounds, inbounds, whatever terminology you want to use there. Uh, so for me, I'm definitely looking at accurate guys who have some length to them, but again, that that's a little tricky because then we have the inaccurate guys who might be clubbing down a little bit. Either way, I'm looking for historical accuracy, weighted T to green, which, you know, you can find on something I look at on your site specifically. Um, approach obviously some of the longer iron play i think is something i'm going to be looking at and then i i'm not really going to dive too deep into around the green i'm not going to dive too deep into putting i do think these slow greens lend themselves to a lot of you know typically bad putters being okay so it's those global metrics i'm looking at weighted t to green weighted approach um accuracy it's very early in the week, but it's it's pretty soft out there right now. Um, you know, when remember when Tiger won here and he what hit two drivers all week long, and Rory McIlroy didn't hit a ton of drivers in route to his victory. Right now, if they if they started the championship today, you'd have to you'd have to hit driver, which I think is which I think is pretty interesting. And see, uh, yeah, I'm I'm very much in the camp of. Um, accuracy fine. I think distance is going to be critical. I, I think you have to be such a strong off the tee player. The way that mm-hmm. the, the bunkering has been done, it's in all the landing zones. The fairways are narrow in all of these typical landing zones. Your options are fly it over everything or stay short or bring the trouble in play. And I, I really think it's going to be a guy who drives it really well. And then when you throw in the wind and inevitably missing some of these fairways because uh, they are quite narrow, missing the greens, I think you got to be pretty savvy around the green. So that those are the two things I'm looking at. Uh, maybe call it total driving, call it strokes gained off the tee, call it distance. I don't care what you call it. And then kind of a little bit of creativity uh, around the putting surfaces, I, I think is the combination that unlocks this place. Yeah, I'm, I, I think that's totally fair. Uh, I do think there'll be uh, sort of a controversy or conflict between length and accuracy. Uh, but obviously total driving kind of solves that, right? If you can kind of split it down the middle, like that's what you're ultimately looking for is, is long drivers who can hit it straight. Yeah, I think um, cr- crooked off the tee. Well, I shouldn't say that, but like you can you can t- get penalty strokes off the tee here, right? There's some internal OB. There's some spots where you can literally hit it into the gorse and like you are now dropping, um, mm. which there is, you know, you think about, Think about St. Andrews. You know, this is not St. Andrews, right? You'll hear me reiterate that when we get to like Cam Smith. Cam Cam Smith could kind of spray it all over there. Everybody could kind of spray it all over the yard at the old course. This is not that. So I'm I'm more interested to see some of these big boppers separate themselves there, and then hopefully they're good enough in the rest of the game to kind of to kind of hold on. And then of course, weather, wind. Right. All these all these all these unknowns and things that are going to change, all these variables that are going to change over the course of the week. Yeah. I'm obviously you're going to want to look for a wind wave because it might show up particularly. I mean, it's only Monday now, but on Wednesday, Wednesday night, you'll, you'll see a lot of people referring to and you included Rick on, on your live show, which you do in the afternoon. You'll be talking, I'm sure, or at least referring to, you know, PM stacks or, or a Thursday AM stacks, whichever the wind, whichever way the wind blows. But of course the wind's going to be unpredictable. So something to keep in mind, but from a DFS standpoint, you got to keep that stuff in mind for sure. Yeah, and you're pretty exposed out there at Hoy Lake. There's not a lot to kind of stop the wind. So if it is, if it's if it's there, you're gonna you're gonna feel it basically on on every single hole. Okay, um, I'm excited to jump into this to this player pool as high as twelve thousand five hundred, as low as I think is fifty five hundred. Something we haven't quite seen before. So we're gonna jump headfirst into this field. But first, we're gonna take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. 
Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. And we're back. Here's the cheat sheet at rickrungood.com. And look at that. Scotty Scheffler, not a typo, $12,500 leading the way. Rory McIlroy, 11.9. John Rahm, 11.2. Cam Smith, 10.7. Brooks Kepka 10.4. And we round out the $10,000 range with Xander Shoffley at 10.1 and Victor Hovland, $10,000. Even Sia, what was your initial reaction when you saw not only Scotty Scheffler at 12.5, but all these golfers sub 6,000? It, I think it's really cool because as as prohibitive as it might seem to play Scotty at 12,500, when you see that there are playable guys, forget about the 5K range, when you see that there are playable guys in the low 6Ks or in the mid 6Ks, it makes the 12.5 a lot more palatable. And of course, we have 5K options that we, we certainly want to consider. There's at least a few guys that we'll get to that I think are like decent plays in the 5K range. But what's really cool about this, I mean, obviously, Scotty is going to be one of my favorite guys here. I mean, this is one of those things where you can't really criticize many here. I mean, I think Xander at 10,100 is curious in terms of his price. Maybe throw him in the 9K range here, but maybe that keeps his ownership down. What's really cool, though, is that, well, this is really cool because we're watching his T to green play, which is just unbelievable. But what's really cool is when we look at the cheat sheet, we see some ownership too. So we get to on a Monday sort of, again, this is going to change. Obviously it's just a Monday. It'll bounce all around, but we sort of get to play the DFS game a little bit on a Monday with some projected ownership out here. And I think it's really interesting. And I wonder if it's going to hold, I get Scotty and Roy being the most popular and, and that's going to hold in my opinion. I don't know that John Rahm's going to end up being as high owned as he is there. But what's really interesting to me is that Cameron Smith and Brooks Kepka are still kind of low. And, and we know how this works, right, Rick? Because ownership comes out earlier. And so you're going to have that rebound effect. And so like, obviously some ownership is going to jump onto these guys. But if people aren't, Brooks is one of my favorite guys in the 10K range, regardless of ownership. But if people aren't going to play as much Cameron Smith or Brooks Kepka as I would have thought, uh, I'm, I'm all over those two. But to answer just the initial question, it's Scotty number one for me. Um, I think you can, listen, you can make the argument for Rory. I probably won't be paying that price tag for Rory. So it's Scotty, Brooks, and Cameron Smith that I'm probably the most interested in. And of those three, it's Scotty and Brooks that I see myself playing the most of. So to put the pricing into perspective, uh, $12,500 is the most expensive non-tour championship salary that I've ever tracked. Uh, so I've been tracking the salaries for like the last five years. The tour championship is obviously different because they have starting strokes and it's a very, very small field. So they have very high salaries, very low salaries. So out of outside the tour championship, this is the most expensive I've ever recorded a golfer. And it's only like the seventh or eighth time we've had a golfer over $12,000. So we are a bit into uncharted territory and it's not without warrant, right? I mean, Scotty Scheffler, uh, I'm, I'm running out of oxygen about what to say here. By far the best TD green player in the world. Um, he is lapping since January 1st. He has gained more than two and three 
Rory McIlroy and Patrick Cantlay have combined from tee to green. Um, it, it's it's not even particularly close. He, we know he's on the stretch of what eighteen or nineteen top twelve finishes in a row. Um, so he has been basically. Uh, you know, achieving his own value uh, every single week for a, almost a year. Um, I will, I, I'm happy to pay up at the top here, Scheffler, Rory, Rom. I'm happy mm-hmm. to pay there. It looks like I am not going to be alone in that. As you mentioned, the initial run yeah. of ownership projections are on rickrungood.com, but you, you're right. It's very early in a long week when the pricing comes out as early as it does. These, they, these start to become very aware over the course of the next couple of days. And I think you'll see, you know, in the next run on Tuesday or whenever the next run comes, I, I think you're going to see a rebound on Brooks Kepke here. People are going to look at, one win, a runner-up finish, and you know, sub ten percent at at ten thousand four hundred dollars, and they're going to be licking their chops, honestly, as they should be. But you know, what's interesting is you'll you'll have that you'll have that sort of adjustment when people see ownership, and then you'll have an adjustment to the adjustment. But now that I think about it, if people are rostering Roy McElroy and Scotty Scheffler as first in their lineup. Even though we have the 5K range and we have some talent in the mid six and low 6K range, I really don't think a lot of people want to start their lineup with Scotty and Brooks or Scotty and Cameron Smith. Well, I tried to go. Uh, it's hard to get Scotty and anybody else in the 10K range, right? So, I I yeah. tried Scotty and like Rory leaves you not much to work with. So it's yeah, I don't think you can do Scotty and any of the other 10K guys. And that and that's why, by the way, I did Scotty and Brooks and, and you end up with 6,775. Like that's not great. It's not now, great. If you want to go down to that to that that low 6K or high 5K range, that's great. But that's only going to kick you up to like 7,200. So now you are bypassing almost the entire 8K, entire 9K range. So th- those are things to think about when we predict ownership here. And so I do think that Brooks and Cameron Smith are going to end up just by default lower because people are either going to be rostering Scotty Scheffler or Rory McIlroy. I think Rory's probably going to win this. I might bet Rory to win it. I haven't done it yet. I might do it. Um, But this is a different format. And I don't know if there's a super smart way to pay eleven thousand nine hundred dollars for a guy who's going to be thirty percent owned, right? As much as I as much as I like him, when there are other great options in this range, so Rory might be a casualty for me mm-hmm. in DFS, but I'm going to have plenty of exposure to Rory McIlroy this week, whether it's in matchups, one and dones, um, you know, the outright market, whatever that looks like. I'm I'm getting my feet on Rory. It might not be here on DraftKings. Yeah, I mean, what's I mean, you look at the T to Green stuff for him as well. It's it's not as impressive, of course, as Scotty Scheffler, but it's 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 really impressive. So I mean, I don't know what else. And, and of course, he actually has a good putter. So that that's really the difference. We can kind of lean on his like. Listen, anybody can have a bad putter, of course, any given tournament. But we can kind of lean on his putter a little bit, and I I do think that gives him an edge over Scotty outside the fact that his T to Green, of course, isn't as good. Yeah, for sure. So the the bottom half of this range, you know, it's it's interesting. Like what's going to happen with Xander and Victor, right? I mean, yeah. I think everyone, you know, the initial, again, early on a Monday here, you look at this, you say, okay, there's a big three. John Rahm, who we haven't spent much time on, but like I'm cool going to Rahm, no problem. Sure. Um, then you get Smith and Kepka, who are kind of the, the lower owned guys here that you could pivot towards. What about Victor and Xander? Both looking for their first major championship. Everybody else in the 10K range has at least one. What happens here? 
So I think there's like three ways to build with taking elite guys. One is Scotty. One is starting your lineup with Rory. And the other is starting your lineup somewhere in that range that you just called out. I mean, I guess you could conceive of a Cameron Smith, Brooks, Kepka star, but I do think they're going to be at least some people from a contrarian standpoint who start with Xander or Victor Hovland. I, I actually kind of like both of them. I think I prefer Victor Hovland. And again, when it comes to the around the green game, I really don't worry about that. I mean, listen, he could have about a, a bad round around the green or a bad four rounds. But look, last week at the Scottish Open, gaining 2.78, gaining uh, 3.22 at the U.S. Open, like this 3.22 again at the PGA Championship. It, it's very rare that we've seen him lose a lot around the green. In fact, the last time we saw it was at Bay Hill quite right. some time ago. So just from a ball striking standpoint, you talked about it, Rick. You want a guy who's a good total driver. Well, we can check that box with Xander too, but certainly with Victor Hovland and the around the green play is there. And we know he can spike with the putter. I think he's a really sneaky like play in terms of starting your lineup there. Yeah, he 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 doesn't always he's not always great around the green, but he has not cost himself a tournament since, mm-hmm. you know, Bay Hill. Right. He has not he has not played himself out of it. And I'll tell you what, he's gone through a lot of short game stuff, got a, a new coach since that. Like there's, I'm not sure we're ever going to see a time where he loses three or four strokes around the green regularly again. So this is a, I mean, it's a fascinating range. I, I think um, we're going to see as the next couple of days go on, what happens to the top, where that ownership starts to transfer to. But um, it, what do you think? You're going to try to get two of these guys. You're going to try to get one at the bottom. Like what's, what's your early builds look like? It's a really good question. Uh, I, I think I'm going to try to get one of these guys and, and move along. I don't think I'm going to play the game of trying to stack two. And then, I mean, I probably will with like a lesser lineup with, with maybe some low end, like just you know, silver bullet lineups. I might take like a Scotty and a Brooks, for example, and then just do what I can with the with the 6,700 6, left over, over the course of four players. But I think like, you know, my, my primary lineups will probably have one of these guys and then I'll just move on to the 9K range. By the way, some of these decisions might be made for you if there ends up being a reliable wind wave sure. then you can listen these these are star players so like they can usually navigate around the wind but what if the wind wave what if the advantage looks like it's going to be like a pretty significant one then maybe you can just kind of stomp out some of these guys where you, you're just not sure which way to go maybe maybe that's something to wait for if you just can't decide between whether it's scotty and rory or i don't know cam smith and brooks kepka it's kind of one of the reasons i've waited to like really make some bets is just kind of waiting yeah. to see what's happening uh, over the course of the next couple of days. So yeah, waiting and seeing is probably not a bad option for this week. That 9K range starts with Patrick Cantlay, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa. The middle is Fitzpatrick, Terrell Hatton. Then the bottom goes to Tommy Ladd, Dustin Johnson, Shane Lowry, and Cam Young. Uh, this is fascinating. You've got three guys in this range who missed the cut at the Scottish Open and can't lay Spieth and Fitzpatrick. You've got guys who have won, uh, um, you know, won this tournament in the past, have Claret Jugs at home. So what are we doing here in the nights? This is a crazy range uh, because I think it is going to be relatively fat. I do the flat. I do think Hatton and Fleetwood will pick up even more steam right here. Right now we're seeing them between like basically 13 and 14%. I think they'll both get a little bit more popular. I think Colin will probably stay steady in the, in the double digits, but Ricky's going to go up too. I, for me, Cantlay's really interesting to me. I mean, he's been a flop this entire year, at least as far as Cantley's standards are concerned. But you talk about total driving and you talk about like he's not a superstar, but he's certainly a star, a guy that can probably turn it on at any given moment. I do think Cantley is a candidate for that. So I he's at least interesting to me. 
Um, he, Go in ahead. the last, last 50 rounds, he has gained as many strokes off the tee as Rory McIlroy has. And he is second from tee to green over that same time frame to Scotty Scheffler. He has been statistically very, very good. No, no trophies to, to, to boast with that, but he has been a very, very strong player this year, um, which we documented kind of, you know, he had that equipment change at the, at the start of the year and got dialed in after that. But man, like I don't, I never have a lot of confidence clicking Patrick Cantlay's name. No, no, nobody should. And maybe that's why he's the play this week because nobody's going to want to click his name. I mean, that, that, that's just a guess of mine that he's going to be in the sort of that, you know, nine to 12% range. And maybe that makes him a value, but I do like Ricky Fowler as well. Terrell Hatton makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's just, we talk about people who need to have the all, the all around game. Just, just look at last week as evidence. He literally gains across the board mm-hmm. and we see that quite a bit with him. He's just, he seems to be good everywhere. If it gets tougher with the wind, he should be good in that department as well. If it's between like Hatton and Fleetwood, I'm always going to kind of defer uh, to Terrell Hatton there. But go ahead. He's gained in all four major strokes gain categories in five of his last seven. That's amazing. Pretty unheard of. It's amazing. Yeah. So like regardless of the condition, I feel like Hatton is one of those guys you can kind of lean on uh, to to overcome it. The only other guy I want to mention, I want to mention two other guys. One is Matt Fitzpatrick because I don't think anybody's going to play him. And I do want to point out that last week, really his downfall was around the green more than anything. I mean, he, he wasn't really great anywhere but he wasn't bad anywhere other than around the green where he lost 3.40 strokes before missing the cup yeah he kind of coughed it all up there he actually was a small positive in the other three major categories it you know i'm circling a couple of names here um i'm a believer in the in the colin morikawa stat profile um i think i said earlier in my video just like if you just blindly handed me this stat profile i would assume there's multiple wins here i would assume this guy's having a phenomenal year and again another one of these guys who doesn't have a lot of hardware to show for it um dj's here at 9200 yeah, and i like I, him. I think this is probably one of the better spots on the open rota for him where he can if if he if he plays like he did at LACC gaining seven and a half strokes ball striking like that's the path for DJ that's the path to the top of the leaderboard around an open championship and then the final one the one that I um you know maybe all things considered with price that I like the most might be Cam Young uh, I think you're gonna need to be a great driver I think you're gonna need to be at least savvy and competent around the greens and and you're gonna have to find a hot putter and he is a very streaky guy i don't think he's safe but when he's on he's like a big time gainer in those areas now when he's off he loses five and a half strokes with the flat stick and he's gone on friday night but i don't really care about that right i want to get i want to tap into that upside so um interesting to see if he can parlay a little bit of that success from not only John Deere last time we saw him, but also his runner-up finish at the Open Championship last year. I don't think I can get behind Cameron Young personally, but I do like the the Dustin Johnson call-out. I, I do want to point out somebody who I noticed is picking up some attention from an ownership standpoint. And I just, because I want you to pull him up on, on your site because his stat profile from the Scottish Open is, is very interesting. Uh, it's Shane Lowry. Uh-huh. Did, do you know, like last week, it was all short game with him, which is just very strange. Right. Yeah, he loses a stroke off the tee. That's the most he's lost since Bay Hill. Loses four strokes on approach. That's the most he's lost. Oh boy, I'm scrolling back years since February of 2021. So you think that both those things are probably not going to happen again. And then he kind of makes up for it with a really, a really strong short game, which is not, I mean, gaining 11 strokes 
in the short game categories is insane, but two starts prior to the US Open, he gained five. It's not completely yeah. unreasonable that he gains, you know, five or six strokes uh in the short game category. So this feels like a pretty decent like bounce back opportunity. Mm-hmm. His last, last three open championships are a win, a 12th and a, and a 21st. Let's look at his majors here recently. Talked about the one at the US Open. Yeah, I mean, he's got four straight top 25s in, in major championships. I think that's, I think it's a pretty good route to go. Yeah, and, and I only brought it up just because I thought it was interesting. But but at the end of the day, the, the ball striking prior to last week has been pretty great. So if he bounces back with the ball striking, which everybody expects him to do, and he has that short game, I, I do think things are looking up for Shane Lowry. Real quick, uh, nobody has been better at Open Championships since t- 2008 than Jordan Spieth has been. Uh, he will enter for the first time in his career the Open Championship with two consecutive missed cuts. Uh, he has missed four of his last six. What is the state of the union on Jordan Spieth? <laughs> he was he was my one and done last week, and it was and I, I said it on this very show. I said. Speeth is more of a hunch play than he is like a, a statistical, like good play, a statistically good play. And uh, yeah, that didn't work out for me. So there goes the hunch. I, I don't I don't have any intention of playing Jordan Speeth. I'm not saying he's definitely going to do poorly, but I, I there's just nothing I see here to give me any confidence. It's a scary fade, but I'm generally there with you. I do not like this. And I went back and looked and he's usually playing just much, much better before he gets to an open championship. And I just, I don't see it. So not for me. Why don't we do, why don't we do the AK range as well before we take a break? Because we also have, we have six ranges to go through this time. So let's go to the 8K range, which is Hideki, Bryson, Wyndham, Clark, Justin Thomas, Sam Burns, Max Homa, Sung JM, Tony Finau, Tom Kim, Justin Rose. Uh, Rosie catching a lot of the early steam projected wow. right now. 18%, Tony Finau 10, Max Homa 12, nobody else over 10% at the moment. Yeah, I think th- there's four names that jump out to me, and I'll just I'll just mention them, and then we can kind of talk about them a little bit. But uh, Decky jumps out to me a little bit, mostly because the the research backs it up. I like Bryson quite a bit. I think I'm going to like him more than pretty much everybody. Uh, yeah. Wyndham Clark. I don't see any reason why his ball striking plus short game can't succeed here. And then the last guy is Tom Kim. Uh, it's not necessarily because of last week, because I got to tell you, he he showed up in my research a lot the week prior, and it was kind of one of those Sepp Straka situations where I was like, yeah, I'm just going to kind of ignore that. And he, and he played really well. So I, the stats are showing me something with Tom Kim. He's accurate, by the way. He's longer than people think, uh, way longer than Hideki lately, just to give you some perspective there. Top 30 weighted tee to green, top 10 weighted approach. Uh, he lost a lot last week off the tee, but he was great with the approach and with the putter. I expect him to rebound off the tee. I think he's a decent play. That one's interesting. I'm I'm with you on Wyndham Clark. Um, I mean, there there's just a mountain of evidence that shows in the last nine months, he has become a very, very good tee to green player. And Oh, by the way, he can also putt, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. he has just been great dating back to like October and there's really no evidence of that stopping. He has done it on a lot of different golf courses. I was already pretty in on Wyndham and especially because you know what, you know what happens is, Everybody loves to to play the Euros, right? Oh, they grew up it. Oh, it's the Lynx. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's and it's like, yeah, I get that. But like Wyndham Clark has basically 
done it on every golf course. Um, the other thing that even got me more excited, I was already kind of locked and loaded on Wyndham Clark and Michael Kim was tweeting out his thoughts of, of um, Royal Liverpool today. And he equated the tee shots, or I, or I forget what he said, but he's like, this reminds me a lot of uh, Quail Hollow and LACC off the tee. And I was like, oh, really? Where Wyndham Clark won both of those places? Like, <laughs> sick. Sick. So, yeah, that's I'm I'm pretty much with you on Wyndham. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like if you think about where his price is at 8,700, if you swapped him with Cameron Young, nobody would have an issue with that. If you swapped him with Shane Lowry, nobody would have an issue. And you can kind of go up the board. DJ, for example, I think you could put him in the Fitzpatrick range at this point. I don't think anybody would have a huge problem with it. So I think it's it's one of those perfect storms where you're getting the discount, but you might not get the ownership that usually comes with the discount. So I, I think that's where the, the reason I love Wyndham Clark the most. What's the deal with Bryson? Why are you why are you going to be more bullish on Bryson than everybody else? Well, I, I still think he's I mean, we don't have all the metrics, but I still think he's good tee to green in approach. I also think he's kind of reverted back to sort of being that tactician that we normally see. He's been OK at live coming in second at, at um, Valderrama U.S. Open T20. I think that's actually pretty impressive. And then what was it at the PGA Championship T4? Like he's Great. been showing up and I, I don't think it's a bad course fit or anything. I think he's going to be very tactical with this course, which is probably what it requires. And if he finds himself a, a good short game hot putt. Uh, I, I think I actually think he's a pretty great play now that I see the ownership, but I didn't expect ownership to be high anyway. But um, yeah, he's one of my favorite plays in the 8K range. Could I sell you on Justin Thomas? Did he do anything no. last week to bolster any level of confidence? I, I haven't had any level of confidence on Justin Thomas for a couple of years. And, and to be honest, it's almost like the reverse of Wyndham Clark. Like, he doesn't have any confidence. Like, I just don't think he, and this is me just playing like Frazier Crane, psychologist here, but I, I just don't think he has any confidence in his game. I see a guy like Wyndham Clark, who's always in similar price ranges, who just seems to have all the confidence in the world. So until he gets himself like a, a like a top five or, you know, contends on a Sunday, this isn't the place for me to speculate with that. Bad stat profile, not great results, hasn't particularly played link style golf at the Open Championship very well. Uh, pass on JT and I'll be early, but I got to see something. I got to see something. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm living on Wyndham here. Um, I think that Sam Burns is kind of interesting. Me too. Justin Rose is good, but he's going to catch a lot of steam, right? I, Why is he catching that much steam? I, I'm, I'm confused. Well, I think, you know, one, you know, you get these savvy vets, these savvy Euro vets at the open, at the open, right. And you look at his history at this tournament and it's, I mean, it's, pretty darn good. And I think most people are liking that he's been a much better second shot golfer uh, than he had been for like the last year or two. And he combines that with just kind of a steady little short game. Like, I get it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I assume that'll adjust downward at least a little bit, but I, I'm if he's anywhere north of 15%, I wasn't really going to play him yeah. anyway, but I'm certainly I, not going to play him if he's popular. I also think it's, you know, there's like Finau's got a lot of question marks around him. Tom Kim, I don't think people are sold on Adam Scott, who I think would have been popular before missing two of his last three. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's, yeah. it's not like there's a ton of great options around him. It's what yeah, true. Is kind of driving it. Okay. We're going to continue this conversation. We've got a lot to go. 7k, 6k and oh yeah, the 5k range. But first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. 
And we're back. Here's the 7K range, and this is where we get a lot of golfers. Adam Scott, Jason Day, Taylor Gooch at the top. We go all the way down to Chris Kirk, Davis Riley, Lucas Herbert, and Sepp Straka. So, Sia, where do you want to head first here? So, it's not a sexy play, and and honestly, I, before I did my research, I wasn't on this guy, but Corey Connors, like, literally checks every box. I'm in. I mean, he's good off the tee. He's accurate off the tee. Weighted tee to green looks good. Weighted approach looks good. I'm not sure where the criticism is against Connors, especially when you consider his price. He's just he's just boring. He's just like, yeah. I don't know, like, is a Canadian going to go win the Open Championship? <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's just, I agree with you, man. The guy, one, he gains strokes off the tee every single week, and he does it by keeping it in play. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you saw, there's internal OB on 18 that is like, five yards off the fairway, right? Like you are like, there's so many spots where you're going to have to keep it in play. And then, oh, by the way, he's been really, really good on approach. Like kind of getting back to that, like, not, I don't want to say elite, but like very good level of approach play. The short mm-hmm. game's been better. Like um, his open championship stuff isn't that bad. He missed the cut in 19. That was four years ago. 15th at Royal St. George's, T18 at, at the old course. I'm in. I'll, I will eventually bet him at like 80 to one when when I finally pull the trigger on all this stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. Again, I, I, I like Corey Collins. Another unsexy play, by the way, Rick. Keegan Bradley at 7,600, who I don't. I'm uh, not looking at that all. one. That one, I'm, that one I can't be as excited about, but let's talk about him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, he just first. I mean, first of all, he he does have what upside. Obviously, first at the Travelers, I thought the twenty first at the Rocket Mortgage w- was pretty decent. But a, a guy who also tends to keep it in the fairway and just do the the long plot along, be long and straight, and hopefully find a hot putter. Which, for the record, he's found over his last six tournaments. Uh, it, this is more of a splash play than anything, but look what he's picking up ball striking in, in some of these tournaments. It, yeah, I, I, I like it. I, I think the open breaks his brain, <sighs> you know, yeah. three straight, three straight missed cuts. Um, his best finish was a T 18. That was at Troon in 2016. I just, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I love, I'm like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Keegan won again this year, whether it's like, you know, a playoff event or something like that. But, um, I don't know. He just hasn't been able to figure out open championship golf. He he was, I think I just saw T14 at Royal Liverpool in 2014. So there, there is at least that. Yeah, T, yeah, T19. No, you're right. Yeah, T19, my bad. Yeah, T19 at Royal. That's actually one of his, it's his second best finish. Basically, his his, his best finish at, uh, at an open championship came at this golf course. Okay, let's see. Minwoo Lee is a low-key like crusher in some of these big events. Um, you know, you look at what he does off the tee, the dude moves it. Here's his last four major championships. There are five major championships. He has four top 27 finishes, including a T5 at the U.S. Open. I don't mind this one single bit. Yeah, I, I don't mind that at all either. I, I'm going to lobby for a guy I was big on last week. Literally in every sort of betting department, I had this guy. I had him as a, a top 40. I had him as a long shot winner. Had him in a head-to-head matchup. Brian Harmon. Like again, if you're gonna put 7,300 on a guy that just like plots along and just keep like like you said, kind of a poor man's Corey Connors who just keeps it in the fairway and can be super dialed in with the putter, which he has been over the last three tournaments. Uh, I'm in on that. He's not gonna gain too much off the tee, if anything, but approach is usually good and the short game is usually good. I mean, he's got here's his last three runner up ninth, twelfth. The twelfth was the Scottish Open. He's gaining a ton of strokes with the putter. He's hitting it better on approach actually hitting it pretty darn good on approach as of late it's not bad what's he done at the open okay t6 at the at the old course t19 at royal st george's 
T26 at Royal Liverpool in 2014. Better uh, better profile than I than I would have thought. How about the man who has been setting live golf on fire? Taylor Gooch. Gooch. Uh, yeah. Thrice a winner this year. Three That's wins. Amazing. Three wins in his last seven starts. That's incredible, actually. Is this doing anything for you? It is. Yeah, he's actually down on my list, but I, I really I was kind of hoping you'd bring him up because I didn't have a lot to say about him. But uh, you, you can't listen like three first place finishes. I mean, we're talking about guys like Brooks Kepka and DJ and Bryson, who I, at least I referenced as, hey, they've been pretty good uh, on the live tour. Like they've only been pretty good because it's guys like Taylor Gooch who have been beating them like pretty much every single time. So, I mean, I, there's definitely something to be said about Taylor Gooch. Uh, I plan on I plan on playing him. Yeah, nobody seems to plan on playing him. So I think I'll definitely start getting a little bit of exposure. You see here the way the ownership is is coming in. You're seeing a little bit of love for Adam Scott and Corey Connors and Keegan and Ryan Fox and Denny McCarthy, but basically anybody else here, Sia, you can you can get at a pretty a pretty decent ownership. Yeah, I'm looking at Fox being 10%, which is pretty high. I, I kind of like Henley there. Um, his ownership starting to creep up a little bit. I think Siwoo Kim is a good play. Uh, Gary Woodland, did we see where his ownership was? Because I got to imagine he's going to be popular because he, uh, well, he's not. I'm the only idiot who will play Gary Woodland. 4.2% Gary Woodland. I'll take that all day. Top 20 weighted tee to green, top 20 off the tee, top 20 weighted approach. He's accurate. He's been accurate off the tee. Uh, greens and regulation is solid. How's he going to get the ball in the cup? <laughs> well, okay. So, I mean, he only lost. This is Woodland's profile, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, over the last two tournaments, he's been almost an even putter, kind of. Not really. Like, listen, I'm going to play him, but I am I hate it. I do this every week. I look at this and I go, how can he not? Like, why, he can't get lucky one week and get a couple of putts to roll in and gain one stroke with the flat stick. That's all I'm asking is for one. I'm not asking him to gain 40. Like, it's just, it's crazy, man. I mean, the good news is he's managing to lose those strokes and make the cut and have like top 30-ish type finishes, which at 7,100, if that were to happen here, like wouldn't be a bad thing. But I, I mean, again, these slower greens, I, I do think they lend themselves to maybe a guy like Gary Woodland popping with the putter, not for four rounds, but maybe for two. Hmm. Let's keep going. $6,000 range starts with Louis, Phil, Rasmus, three guys who you only need their first name. Uh, we've got Robert McIntyre in this group. Remember, the pricing came out prior to the result of the Scottish Open, so DraftKings did not necessarily know, or I don't know if they cared, that he finished uh, runner-up in that event. It goes down to Ben Griffin, Matt Wallace, Richard Bland, but we don't stop there. Those are not the min-priced guys. So um, some value from household names, or at least some notables here in our world. Yeah, you know, I think going back to Bjork is is an okay play. By the way, I did want to mention uh, Sepp Strzok at seven thousand. I think is a great play too. But um, I think Bjork is is okay. I think you know Grillo, he's 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 another guy like Woodland. Where like is he going to get in the hole? But but like how's he going to get the ball in the hole? (laughs) But the putter's been okay with him this year, and the ball striking metrics do look good. Yeah, he's he's been a lot better putter than honestly. Even if even if Emiliano could putt for Gary, I think they'd be better off. Which is crazy to say, but uh, I think it's hundred percent. I'm still riding the other Jordan, which is Jordan L. Smith. I think he might be the best Jordan in the field this week. Ooh. I mean, this is 
this is phenomenal. I mean, this this is, I mean, it's very similar to Gary Woodland as well. Just he can't really putt all that well. He finished T12 last week at the the Scottish Open. He's got a bunch of he's got three top twenties in his last five starts. Uh one was a sixth at the European Open. I think he finished 20th at uh LACC. Yeah, finished 20th at LACC. So it, it's it's been a pretty decent spring and summer for him. I'm I'm in here on on Jordan Smith. It's interesting that you you categorize him as maybe the best Jordan value because I think Matthew Jordan at sixty five hundred is pretty okay. good too. There you go. Hold on. He's been he's been good on the world tour. He made he made the cut at the Scottish Open last week and he finished seventy seventh, which I'm pretty sure is like pretty close to dead last, if not dead last. But the caveat there is he shot an eighty in round four, and again, given his track record on the world tour at sixty five hundred, made the cut last week. Um, I think he could do some damage this week. Yeah, let's actually. I can't believe I'm going to take the time to look up the round by round stuff of Matthew Jordan. But yeah, he lost. Right, the first first three. You know, he's playing better in the field. He's all good. He loses eight point two strokes on Sunday around the Scottish Open. I can't imagine that's going to be happening again. Um, <laughs> Padraig Harrington. He also had yeah. like a very. He got off to a good start. Had a pretty sour weekend, but he's playing the best golf of his life. Trying to think who else is kind of interesting. There's another guy. I played a lot of him last week and it paid off. And I played a lot of him the week before and he missed the cut, like full disclosure. But Lee Hodges at 6,400. Uh, he rates out really well with me. Uh, T to green and on approach as well. Uh, last week, really, really good on approach and with the putter. Uh, he lost a lot around the green. But and if that plagues him this week, it's not going to be great. But I think Lee Hodges is striking it way better than people think. Yeah, but certainly way better than I was thinking he did. Your boy's down here that you mentioned last Who? week, and he looks great to me. Who? Uh, I might. Well, I, I was going to let you butcher it because I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but I believe it's Hillier. Oh, Daniel, Sir Daniel. Yeah, yeah made the made the cut last week. He's sixty one hundred dollars. He's projecting half a percentage of ownership. Yeah, that's not. Hey, take a look at his stat profile from the Scottish Open. This this you will absolutely fall in love with. Can't wait for this. I hope everybody's watching on YouTube. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So he goes, yeah. So this is a pretty good stretch, right? So he goes T5 at the KLM Open, misses the cut at the European Open, third at the International Open, wins the British Masters, which is a pretty big event. Like Justin Rose played that. Um, and then he makes the cut last week, <laughs> gaining nine and a half strokes ball striking, which he kind of does a lot and lost five and a half with the putter, which he kind of does a lot. That's so- and almost three around the green. Like he literally lost in with short game over eight strokes and he gained in ball striking over nine strokes. That's like unbelievable. So good. So it's good. Kyle Stanley. How about the 5K range? Something I don't think I've ever said before. Bio Kim at the top. The min price call. It goes down to 5,500. Alex Fitzpatrick, that's Matt's brother in this field. Um, John Daly. Still in this field, I believe. Sometimes he's in these fields, then he WDs like on Wednesday, Monday or Tuesday. I don't know if he's actually playing or not. Probably depends on how the body feels. But um, okay, this is the range that if you can find a name or two, you unlock the top of that board. Yeah, I like a name or two here. And it starts with Richie Ramsey. Uh, another guy that that on the world tour like has definitely popped a fifth and a third on the world tour over just the last six weeks uh, made the cut at the Scottish Open last week as well. I, I, I think he has the requisite upside to maybe top 40, uh, the in, top 40, the, the open championship, which gives you again, if you're dipping down in the 5K range, gives you the leverage to play some guys up top that you ordinarily wouldn't be able to play. Famous last words, but I'm pretty sure Richie Ramsey like. All things considered, pedigree, recent form, 
yada, yada, yada price. He's like pretty easily the best player in the 5k range. I think that's, I think it's clear. You know, he's got, there is probably nobody else in this 5k range that has three top seven finishes on the second best tour in the world, which is mm-hmm. what Richie Ramsey has in his last six starts and made the cut at the Scottish open. So I think it's pretty fair for me to say that and not feel bad about it. Um, because there are some guys like Travis Smith hasn't played anywhere in an official in a no WGR ranked event since April. He played well, but like he hasn't played any, so like that's kind of the stuff we're dealing with here. So I think it's fair to say Richie Ramsey is probably the best player in this 5K range. Yeah, I think there's two other names I would mention, but I do agree with you that Richie Ramsey's might be the best play. Um, Antoine Rosner at 5,800, uh, just 100 less than Ramsey. He's another guy that doesn't really flash the upside that that Ramsey has on the world tour, but he's making every cut. He seems to be pretty consistent. The upside doesn't look to be there with him, but we all are also in the 5,800 range, so uh, it's something to think about. I think we think, when we think of Rosner, I think we think of, at least I think of, what was it, three or four years ago, the match play when he took out Bryson in round one? I believe this is the same Antoine Rosner. Yeah, there's only, yeah, there's only one Antoine Rosner. Yeah, that's right. He took out, he knocked out, uh, yeah, it was Bryson. And when Bryson was like in his prime and everybody was yeah, he was a big favorite in that match. Um, Alex Fitzpatrick is the min price, okay? Gained eight strokes on approach at the European Open a month ago. Qualified for this event. Got, played his his way into it. I'm... Tempted, admittedly. Did Schwartzel also play his way into it? Do you do you recall? Because he's another guy kind of like, I don't mind Alex Fitzpatrick. I'm not going to play him. I don't mind it, though. Schwartzel was a guy that I thought might have yeah. had to qualify as well. I think he did. I think he was in that. There was a qualifier where like three of the live South African guys got in. I think it was like Grace, Schwartzel. Oh, that's right. And Grace so, was one of them. Yep. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they 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 got in via the same qualifier. Yeah, I see it in the chat. David says uh, Schwartzel went through uh, qualifying. Yep. Yeah. So those are the three I like. So it's, for me, it's Ramsey, Rosner, and uh, and Charles Schwartzel. But I mean, you're living dangerously there, Ramsey. To your point, Rick is my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think it's interesting because it unlocks a lot of cool stuff. I will I will definitely play Alex Fitzpatrick in some, some scenario just because I'll probably play them both play the Fitzpatrick brothers to see what happens. Um, all right. Now we have the strokes here narratives and we've got a very special one at the end because the, the bar keeps getting raised as we do this. So we ask, uh, listeners and viewers to submit lineups based on any narrative that they want. And we read them here on the show, or at least a handful that get curated. Cause usually it's too many, but Troy fire away. All right. Kyle says the open championship heads to Liverpool home of the Beatles. Oh God. God, a song one. Here are some of their hits. Lowry in the Sky with Diamonds. What? Uh, Obla Day, Obla Da. Which call that one goes? Oh, Jason Day. Yeah. Got it. Did Back- you forget he existed, Jason Day? Because nobody's talking about him. <laughs> Might have. Back in the Min Woo SSR. Min Woo Lee. Let it Bazadenhout. Hey, Juiced, nice, Juice Luton, and Bradbury Fields Forever. That would be Dan Bradbury. Well done. Not not my cup of tea, the Beatles, Kyle. Me neither. Me that's neither. okay. Well done. Eric, 
Okay. That was one of two uh, Beatles submissions. So that was the one I submitted. So for the other person, that was good as well. But we can't have so many Beatles. Right? Yeah, go to, uh, there's a hashtag, Strokes SG narrative. You can read all of them. Um, inspired, this is Eric says, inspired by Sia's uh, 22 to 1 outright on Vincent Norman, the Candyman, a man whose name is spelled differently than it sounds. Here's a lineup of more proper English spellings of players' names. Ah, okay. I see what he has done. Abraham, answer, like question and answer Stuart sink like the sink in your kitchen J John daily like daily weekly monthly Tom Hoagie that's right that's a Philadelphia thing Thomas Peters without the eye and Adam Shank uh the bad kind <laughs> model maniac oh boy we've got the Beatles we've got Shakespeare model model maniac's too smart for me as well Scotty or not Scotty that is the question this is this is all Shakespeare, uh, although there is one sort of tragic uh, mistake here, and he has Shakespeare instead of Shakespeare. But this is oh, very good. Oh, brutal! Now, typical Shakespearean tragedy. Right Shall I compare Thigala to a summer's day? Et tu, Brooksy? Romeo, Romeo, where art thou, Romeo? <laughs> That's great. Yes. Beware the Ides of Mark Warren. And off with his head. That's Mad King Hatton. All right. Good job. That was excellent. Excellent. That was, that was pretty good. Second slide. Ryan, the fantasy bunker, says, Whirl, Whirl is home to Britain's longest promenade. Sure. A paved walkway, but also a famous dance move. So here are a few more of Ryan's favorite dances. Matt Waltz. Ryan Foxtrot. A little less traditional. YMC Adrian Moronk. J Hump T Dance Poston. <laughs> the Toot Siwoo Kim Roll. Sure. And Callum Walk Like an Egyptian Quin. I added um, Teach Me How to Decky, and now I can't get it out of my head. Teach Me How to Decky. Love it. Okay. Now, John Markowski has uh, come on in here, and he has – remember, he has had Nick Hardy recently read his uh, his narrative lineup, and he has actually sent us a audio message, I believe is what he has done. So, uh, Troy, when you are ready, this is – I don't know if he sets it up. These are John Markowski's British foods lineups. Go ahead, Troy. Rick and Sia, here is my British food narrative lineup. <laughs> Seppard's Pie Strocker. Beef Wellingtoni Finau. Bangers and Matt Fitzpatrick. Adam Scotch Egg. Alexander Bjorkshire Pudding. Spotted Dick Bland. Bangers and Matt's fi Matt Fitzpatrick. Well done. Well done. In a British accent and all. That didn't sound like John. I think he, uh, I think he used a computer. I, I think so. Beef Welling Tony Finau is pretty great too. Yeah, very, very good. Uh love it. That 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 gets me excited. That gets me excited for an open championship, which should be splendid, Sia. Um any final thoughts? I what what's the what's the overall like like wait, wait as long as you can and have fun with the pricing. Get creative, be a little bit different. Yeah, and I think if there ends up being a wind wave, it's it's almost like a good thing because and maybe maybe there's not going to be a huge advantage there. Maybe you just want to play both waves. But the cool thing about playing both waves or at least one of the waves is to the extent you have like 
question marks or like a couple of guys are even to you, you can kind of stamp out, literally stomp out like half of the field by making your, your wave love, one. And then if you want, I do love getting rid of half of the field. <laughs> right. And then if you want to do the opposite stack, because the, the, the wave edge might be wrong, then you're still stomping out half the field on the other side of it. So maybe that's one. And there might not be a wind advantage, but you want to wait, I think, on this one. And you want to make sure that if you're doing a wind wave, maybe maybe do both if it's if it's ambiguous. But again, the, those end up being an advantage to you because it makes the decision for you to, to a degree. Big thanks to producer Troy. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. Sienna Jad can be found on Twitter at Sienna Jad. And you can find me at Rick Rungood. Lots more stuff coming this week. This has been the first cut. Catch you next time.